What the fuck is that? Quail. Alabuco. Baby quail stuffed with fennel sausage. Can I get aid from eating this? Yardy, <laughs> <laughs> uh... Didn't I see this guy in the park this morning taking a shit on a statue? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm trying something new. Hey, broaden your horizon. Washington, neighborhood of Capitol Hill, on my couch. This is episode 81 of Grill. How long steak booster? Uh, two minutes, chef. Two minutes. It's a quick ass steak. It's always my answer. I am your host, Bobby Stills. Uh, as you can tell, uh, my guest co-host this week is Troy. How do you say your last name, Troy? Uh, well, I say Krajewski. I like that you have Jew in your name, but you are not Jewish. Is that correct? Uh, no, for all the listeners out there who would think uh, otherwise. If the listeners have not, not heard your episode, will you explain to them uh, what your job title is? How long have you been in the industry? Real quick, just real quick. Uh, yeah, you got to go back a while to hear my previous episode. Uh, do you remember but, what episode uh, it is? Uh, not not by number. It's not seared in your head. It's it's no. It was it was a privilege. I think I was starstruck looking back. Actually, <laughs> it was back. It was with it was with hello, right? Yeah, it was hello. We were down at the studio. Yeah, studio two one two, part of the Soundcasting Network. Queef Boogie, aka Keith Boogie, aka the man with too many children, aka Risotto Balls, aka uh, King of Soundcasting Network. He is not here with us today. R.I.P. We're like not, a not at the studio. Game of Thrones worthy uh, <laughs> list of titles he's got there. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, you were on episode, fuck, man, I had 28, 29, 30. It was, it was something back. I think we were in the 20s. Yeah. So what's your job title? Uh, Just give the listeners a little, little background. We're going to get into it too deep. Yeah. So a little, little uh, history on, on my professional uh, industry career. I think I'm coming career, up uh? somewhere on about 11, 12 years. Uh, started in high school, flipping burgers at a Dairy Queen, if that counts. Uh, however, I've been the last year and a half working at Rock Creek Seafood Spirits up in Fremont. How long? About a year and a half. Word. And I'm currently one of the sous chefs there running. Do you, you get hired on as a sous chef there? Uh, hired on starting as line cook with the, I guess, expectation of there's some moving parts coming up and, and you'll yeah. slide right in. It's, all right. And that was, you know, pending a new restaurant opening, which as always had some setbacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Openings. We covered that, what, two weeks ago on the show. And uh, yeah, I guess ex- explosions, gas explosions really set you back a while for uh, opening a new restaurant. Yeah, that one was out of the ordinary uh, <laughs> from from the normal. You know, where do we put a door? What kind of chairs are we getting situation? Uh, however, been there for a, a year and a half. Holding it down, living the brunch life. Brunch life. Since I've been there, you work. You work. Uh, you work dinner though. I get. I get some dinner. I split my time. Yeah, uh, but running running the brunch program on the weekend. So that's definitely been a shake up in the industry lifestyle. We always talk shit. I mean, look, I'm not gonna call like lesser like sous chefs bitches for being like working the brunch shift because I know now. But back in the day, we used to always make fun of the people that ran the brunch program. A, we felt like you guys were suckers because you had to wait up so early and then b we were like there's no way they're getting crushed as hard as we do 
at nighttime. Little did I know. Um, I'd filled in for a couple brunch shifts and I'm like, fuck this shit. This is terrible. I'll never do it. Why did you choose to go work that brunch shift? It, it's, it's a whole different beast for sure. And uh, on the flip side of that, we would argue that we have our shit together more being that we're crawling out of bed at 6 a.m. rather than getting into it. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, it depends if you're out partying the night before, too. So did you used to talk shit about people at brunch? Uh, previously, we didn't have brunch where I was, but at other places uh, there was. There was there was the brunch boys and, and it was definitely <laughs> the JV team, as you would see. Exactly. It. That B squad. Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, you know, there's there's something to the nature of, of brunch that obviously poses its own challenges. Uh, I'm fortunate that I get a split time. Really the biggest complaint for brunch with me is that it doesn't matter what I do. I can throw anything on the menu. People are going to come in and they still just want right. eggs. Yeah. And in Seattle, people don't play when it comes to brunch. I mean, it's no joke. They take brunching very serious here. I don't know how it is in other cities, but oh, well, Portland, I know they get down too. They got lines around the block for brunch, but uh, we're very serious about our brunching here. So hey. shout out to, I got a brunch squad too. I want to say what's up. Uh, Conrad, Emma, and my girlfriend, Hannah, we uh, got our brunch squad. So every uh, Sunday, we like to find a new spot. We've came, we came in your place. You met, you met, yeah, yeah, you you met my came, brunch squad. You guys came in and saw me. Yeah. It was not, not too long ago. Yeah, you were, you were disappointed. You were disappointed in, in your staff that day. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah th- th- <laughs> that, that'll tend to happen. You know, when you've got uh, line cooks that you expect to be there at the wee hours of the morning, there's something's always going to come up. Look, I enjoy I enjoyed my my meal thoroughly. It was great. It could have been better. We talked about this previously. It was good. My my concern wasn't really with my uh, food so much as it was with the server. Yeah, and that's uh, you know that's another thing with your front of house staff on brunch. They're not they're not your your go to servers that are working there uh, on the weekends. What what you get is C squad. You you get servers that are elsewhere that are just looking to stack some cash and some quick four hour shifts on the weekends. Care. Yeah, so you get people that that are only there for two brunch shifts. Servers don't want brunch shifts. They, they don't like the pe- they don't like they don't like to wake up that early and they don't like the customers especially that early in the morning. You Definitely, know? no one's no one's truly pleasant at that time in the morning. They're always walking in to with get their your coffee uh, and a couple of drinks, espressos from somewhere else, and you don't get the opportunity to course them out and go through your normal spiel and try and sell them on what you do. You just they come in, they call the shots, they say, "I want some bacon and eggs," and keep the coffee coming, and That's I'll right. tip you five percent. <laughs> Couldn't have said it. Any better all right well i guess that covers your update uh with what's been going on with you uh me well i'm still currently as i've said we're recording from my house my couch welcome to my home you've been here before i have it's uh lovely as always it's it's the same since you came over here this is the same setup right uh, yeah for the the years that i've known yet yeah doesn't, uh, i got your record over there your uh banks and steals records oh right right so i, I gotta return that to you remember um, details update. of that night yeah right now i'm just trying to figure out the place that i was gonna work at you know the jupiter um i think they're set to open up and i really haven't talked to the owners about it yet the owners know that i injured myself but i have not spoke with them about what's going on uh hello who i hired as my sous chef um she has been she hasn't she took another took another job but she told them she'd be leaving very shortly so i'm not sure what to do another guy that i had uh, the other guy that i had one of my managers that i hired um i hooked him up with some temporary work 
until the restaurant opened up. So everybody was good on that front, except for me. And I was helping my friends open up their restaurant or their, their bar, uh, which is opened up now. If you guys are listening in Seattle, it's called Mr. Darcy's. It's owned by the same guys from, uh, bathtub gin and rabbit hole and lava lounge. Uh, and it is on second Avenue. So it's two, 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 two second Avenue. They're going to be heavily focused on wine, uh, wines that you can't find in Seattle. They're, yeah, shipping them in from Turkey and uh, Mexico, weird shit, and cocktails. Uh, they haven't got their charcuterie program going yet, but soon enough, once I heal my leg, maybe I'll be able to help them out with that. But uh, that's what I've been up to. Yeah, so I've, that's that's exciting. I've been waiting for them to open next to uh, next door to the Rabbit Hole, a place that I know very uh, very well, uh, and they're great owners as well. Now in Jupiter, I'm glad you brought that up because I was wondering if that was on the table to uh, to ask. Now I've been lucky enough to actually go in there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, going by when they were doing some work and take a look and it's, it's going to be a cool spot. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, it is going to be a great spot. Uh, apparently one of the owners, uh, or cu- and curator of the art in there, Joey Nix is he's organizing a cleaning party. So that's the final step. Uh, they got all their permits going and, uh, I don't know. I should probably call and talk to him about that. Yeah. And, and I know obviously you've got your little setback here now. Didn't one of your, your other owners also and openers there <laughs> recently have a major physical setback of his own? Yeah. Uh, the other owner got into a major motorcycle accident and I think cracked a couple of his ribs, messed up his leg too. Yeah. I heard uh, there was a vertebrae involved as yeah, well. Yeah. Messed up a vertebrae and, uh, but he's got like a, ch- a sweet chest plate and he's got a boot on and he's walking around with a cane. So he's doing a little bit better than I am. I'm still waiting to get my stitches out. And, uh, my doctor gave me a prescription for one of those sweet scooters, you know, so I got to call and order one of those things problem is I live on the third floor of a building, so it's hard for me to kind of get up and down the stairs. But Yeah, on your little uh, knee scooter. I was wondering <laughs> if I was going to be able to cook in a kitchen with... I mean, I've cooked in my kitchen a couple times, and I'm planning on cooking for Seafair this weekend in Seattle, but I'm wondering if I can cook professionally in a kitchen with... Uh, I've cooked professionally in a kitchen with a fucked up wrist, you know? You do what you got to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you had your uh, your skateboarding incident not too, <laughs> yeah. too long ago, and I know you were still grinding through that. Yeah, that was terrible. Uh, <laughs> I had an injury. I got hit by a car while I was skateboarding, but I still went to work. It was pretty sad because I was managing at the time I was lead and I had to have my people under me carry all my stuff for me. So anytime I had to carry like, you know, in most restaurants, if, if you read kind of, if you're at one of the shittier restaurants, they'll give you an application or they'll ask you a question like, can you lift 50 pounds? And that's one of the requirements of working in the restaurant industry is you have to be able to lift 50 pounds, which you're going to be lifting much heavier things than 50 pounds. Uh, I don't know. A bucket of uh, barbecue sauce uh, is right about up there. Yeah. Yeah. A 50 pound uh, bag of flour. You know, that's what they put on their standard corporate uh, application. However, that's probably one of the easier options that you're going to have to move around. Yeah. So that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll grind through it. You know, I'm not a pussy, okay? And uh, the oxycodone tell them too. So anyway, all right. Well, uh, that's my update. Troy, thanks for coming to be my co-host. I want to say congratulations to Johnny. He had his baby boy. Yeah, big shout out to Johnny. Congratulations there. And uh, 
Thank you for the opportunity to take your spot this week. <laughs> yeah. He's going to come back here in the next couple weeks. He's going to bring his baby in to record with us. So I'm excited about that. A, a young star in the making. I yeah. have no doubts. I FaceTimed with him today uh, while he's in the hospital with his baby. And I was like, what's up? When he's like, I'm going to come back and bring the baby. And I was like, sweet. We'll give him a little, the baby, a little, little like headphone mic, you know, and just, he's like, Johnny's like, he's got a sweet cry. So uh, Johnny, congratulations. And Troy, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I want to talk a little bit something about Kraken Kanji. If you guys don't know about Kraken Kanji, it was a, uh, I don't know, Thai, Filipino influence kind of restaurant that served a lot of uh, Konji, Vietnamese style food and stuff like that. Very, very popular. Um, do you know the chefs that were there? Um, Garrett and hmm, what was the other guy's name? Yeah, you had, you had Garrett you had, and Shane. Yeah, Garrett, I believe, was the main one that sort of cultivated a following there and really built a, a name for himself. Yeah, so they started, They I think they started with a pop-up. Right. They started doing pop ups around town. I believe so. Doing their pinch buns. Yeah. Which have have made their way around town. They're in the stadium now. Yeah. I think they've got two spots in in CenturyLink featuring their pinch buns. Shit is crack. So we will also be, uh, I guess, looking to see what the future of those are as well. Yeah. So apparently, basically what happened is I did not know that. Kraken Kanji had closed. Did you know that Kraken Kanji had closed? That was news to me. Well, I just informed uh, Troy, told him about this story, and uh, I just wanted to give a quick update about these guys and what's going on. Apparently, they had closed, and they had no no plans of reopening or moving. They just were going on, went their separate ways. Um, and we're just moving on to different phases in their life, you know? And one of the owners actually went and started working somewhere else. Do you remember the name of that place? The Dre and Ballard, I think. Uh, yes. The Dre, I believe it's more of a bar. Yeah. So he went there and then, uh, chef Garrett, he just, uh, he started working. He went home and was going to spend some time with his wife figure out what he was going to do, uh, stay in the industry, get out of the industry. That's his fucking business. Nobody else's business. Um, he had said to the staff, you know, he wanted to thank them and thank the Seattle community and, uh, thank his wife for all the time. And, and he really appreciates, you know, the support that he got. And he just felt his time was up and over there. Now the twist in this comes also salted sea clothes, which I, I don't know how they were connected. They were connected by this celebrity chef from Texas. Uh, yes. Uh, love is his name, right? Chef love, chef love, chef Tim. Love. So I guess he was one of their silent partners or whatever. And he, you know, did some backing, gave him some backing and stuff like that. And I get, did he go on? He went on some, Chef Garrett went on some MSNBC fund my restaurant show or some shit like that? I I guess so. I mean, you're looking for a uh, silent partner celebrity chef uh, from another state. And yeah. Just looking for that paycheck. And so... America's next uh, top silent partner. Yeah. And so abruptly, both the, both of the places closed. Now, neither one of them are really connected except for this one guy. But he's a silent partner. He has nothing to do with the day-to-day at either of these restaurants, but yet they both close at the same time. Now, one says, "What? Why did Why did Kraken Kanji say they closed? Just it was just their time was up." Uh, yeah, yeah. Initially, I believe the statement was that more or less it's it's been a good run but it's time for us to move on yeah you get tired of places people get into you know they you think you want to work you know 
your vision is one certain type of cuisine or one style of food. And then after you're cooking that for a couple of years, I'm fucking sick and tired of making congee. Yeah, exactly. Just having rice porridge, <laughs> a, a lifetime of that. I mean, Exciting. I believe that's more of a, a, a peasant's food where it comes from. So to look for success in opening a, a restaurant uh, in a market such as this, you would probably lose your mind. But they did have success in this. I went there. I love place. We almost did a, a friend of mine did a, was, did a pop-up there, a ramen pop-up there. We were actually going to do a live podcast from like, kind of like what it is to be in the middle of a pop-up in the kitchen. We were all set up to do it, but I don't kind of remember how, what happened. I just think the time frame didn't work out. And I like the place a lot, but this is where it kind of got interesting is that <laughs> so salted sea over in what neighborhoods are they in? Uh, they're in Columbia city, Columbia correct. city, which I've never been told. I hang out in that neighborhood very often. They closed and they said that it was temporarily closing because they were going through a management change. Yes. Yes. Uh, change over and new faces in the kitchen. So let's take a, a quick break to uh, figure things out. Apparently. Who the fuck does that? <laughs> When you when you've got a restaurant that's going, I mean, isn't that kind of the grind? Is you got to make it happen? Yeah, whatever. I don't fucking care, dude. Bring one of your people out from the back of the house to st- manage at the front until you find somebody suitable to run. You don't close. That's got to call that. That's disrespectful to your employees. That's disrespectful to your customers. That's not a good look. Yeah, you've you've got this client base that you've built up, and suddenly they pop in. You're not there, and you've. Got kind of a half-ass excuse, to be honest. You, I, I believe you, you owe it to your following to provide. And like I said, that's that's our biggest job. Is I wonder what the we've got people coming is. in. We've got to make it work. That's the bottom line. It, by any means necessary, it's a war. It, it is. It is. And it's a relentless one day, day in, day out. You got to be there. The thing about it is too, is like nowadays Facebook is like the end all be all or Twitter. And they posted on Facebook saying, you know, Oh, we're just closing temporarily for a, for a management change. You know, people, everybody's not on Facebook. So what's, what's wrong with doing a press release? You know, what's wrong with that? Because you show up, let's say you want to go out to your favorite restaurant. That's your favorite restaurant. You show up. What the fuck? I wonder what the door says. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can't. Are there people still inside? You you just, you just have a note on there that says, uh, we'll be back at some point. Uh, our managers suck. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We suck at hiring. I mean, I don't know what what the fuck it's going to say. Yeah. People sometimes forget in the restaurant industry that there is still a level of professionalism required. And if you, if you look at all of the publicity in, in, in this city and and the media surrounding the restaurant industry have a release talk to a couple of writers uh get some people it's over not hard and and sit down for five minutes make a couple of statements have it published and there you go it's you not- have covered your responsibility to your fans and to your clientele it's not hard to get covered in the city either it, it really doesn't take much I well mean- so that's uh that's foul ball number one foul ball number two is apparently this guy says that uh tim love says go ahead and put the statement out saying that kraken kanji is relocating so that go ahead people you know were okay um 
the old owners, um, Vietnamese, oh, that's not a good word, uh, <laughs> Vietnamese denied that, saying it should be mentioned that they have no intention of ever uh, relocating. This is their statement. This is the statement from Jesse Smith, um, says of the owners, it should be mentioned that they have no intention of ever relocating Kraken, and it really pisses me off that they posted that to try and save face in the public sphere. Those guys have never worked a day in that restaurant without Chef Garrett uh, Doherty. Kraken could not could not be reborn. Them lying about it on Facebook is really shady and unfair to the to the fans of Garrett's food. So. I don't really understand what this guy's end motive is, how much of the Kraken Konji name he owns, if he can. Exactly. And it's, I mean, it sounds to me like he's an out of state guy that threw him a paycheck and is getting his in return. And I don't doubt for a second that he hasn't spent any time in that, in that uh, building during a service. So probably doesn't even realize, or maybe he does at this point that they have built their following because of their food. And if Garrett is calling it game and getting out, the food's not going to be the same. So why would they be able to just relocate and open under the same pretenses? The question, the main question I have is, can he, can he replicate and relocate and open up a new Kraken Kanji legally? Would that, you know, cause I don't, you know, you don't know the inner workings. You don't know who owns what, how much of here, this, and, uh, you know, it's all speculation. The thing about it is, is like, who knows? Probably next year, uh, Chef Doherty will be back in a new location of Kraken Kanji in Capitol Hill. And we'll be talking about it here on this podcast about. And we'll, uh, yeah, we'll have to sit back and revisit this conversation and <laughs> probably be two complete assholes at that point. But only time will tell. I'm always an <laughs> asshole. Speaking of assholes, I wanted, uh, I had asked Troy about coming to record with me and be, you know, be a guest or not be, be a guest host. And he was like, yeah, sure. And so I asked him what was going on at work and he told me what he was going through at work. And he spoke to me about what he's going through right now is he's having to uh, review all of his uh, cooks on his line. And I've had the pleasure of doing that once or twice, but I was never like the lead guy. I was like, you know, one of the lower chefs. And so I just kind of sat there in the background, but you had to sit down and write. I gave my input. I didn't have to write down and talk to these guys. Uh, I'm more of a take them out back and whoop their ass kind of kind of coworker. Yeah. And, oh. and uh, in, in my background, you know, the occasional restaurant that I'm at that actually does back of house reviews because <laughs> yeah. that's pretty hard to find. Yeah. Uh, it's well, usually been, you know, a chef pulling me aside and saying, hey, you got a minute. All right, let's sit down. And they've got their little paperwork and they were usually pretty easy. I don't cause problems in the kitchen. Uh, so it's like, all right, well, here's the deal. You're not one of the guys we have to worry about. Here's a couple of things I'd like to see you do differently. All right, now get back to work. All right. Uh, so, so since Troy had to do this, that that brought me to that brought us to the subject of disciplinary actions in the kitchen and kind of what happens in the kitchen, how shit goes down. So how do we want to do this, Troy? Want to start with the review? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can we can jump right into there. Um, you know, I, I as I mentioned to you earlier, wasn't exactly the most thrilled about having to sit down and do these reviews. <laughs> partly being that tomorrow is my day off. <laughs> uh, but I guess you know, of course, as a salaried sous chef, you don't get days off. Exactly, especially when they find out you live five blocks from the restaurant. <laughs> uh, however, 
it, for for me, it comes from a place of not only being one of the newer guys in the kitchen, even at a year and a half, the guys that I am doing reviews on, they've been there since day one. So it's kind of a strange position to be in. First of all, coming from that, uh, fortunately, they're great guys that uh, we rely on very heavily in that kitchen. So it'll be pretty, you know, easy, straightforward reviews. Yeah, they're uh, not they're not the new guys. They've been there for a while. Maybe they're just slipping up a little bit or they're, you know, kind of getting a little comfortable. See, to remind them of a couple things. Yeah, you know, it'll probably be, you know, as, as simple as you could be a little nicer to the servers. Uh, <laughs> we can always that. I mean, that's on every single. We, we always can. Yeah, we always can. We choose not to sometimes, or unless we really, really like them a lot. Yeah, you know, there's uh, as long as we feel there's justification in those actions. <laughs> uh, however, another another aspect of it that I'm not exactly thrilled about is I'm not necessarily the disciplinarian type. So this isn't, uh, you know, even during a service when things are going down, I'll approach it as I'd see fit at the time and then usually pull someone aside later so as not to make a scene and try to keep it professional. But, you know, when it comes to disciplinary actions, I definitely would rather play the good cop uh, in that scenario. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going out a limb here and <laughs> trying some new things, I guess, with this situation. Here's here's my issue with the being the good cop, bad cop. This is my issue. I always try to be the good cop and be the homie and be the friend and try to be a leader uh, amongst the, the group of people. I'm not really a follower. You know what I'm saying? I kind of do my own thing and I try to, I don't really lead by example. I just kind of make sure I get my shit done my own way. You know, uh, I have a good time when I'm, when I'm working. Um, and I tell everybody else, I don't care if you fuck around. I don't care if you play on your fucking phone. I don't care if you take 50 fucking smoke breaks at all, as long as your shit gets done. And then when you want to fucking leave on time, it's like, you should have had all this shit done before. So basically my issue with good cop, bad cop is, is that I'm always like, Hey man, like just let you know, like take as many smoke breaks as you want. I don't care if you're on your phone, but then when they force me and I get chewed out by my chef about my cooks on my line doing a certain thing, playing on their phone all the time and they're not getting their shit done. That's when I have to snap. And then I look like a fucking asshole. And I'm, I'm in the same boat. I, for the most part, have, will have the backs of, of the cooks everywhere that I've been and have been in an elevated role. I support my staff. Uh, and so when it comes down to me being approached from a higher up chef, owner, uh, whoever it may be, Manage, upper management. they are becoming an issue. And then that comes on me. Well, you just made me look like an asshole when I had your back and have been constructive uh, with you and may have taken and letting you take certain liberties uh, that haven't necessarily come at the expense of the restaurant or the guest experience or whatnot. You're still getting your stuff taken care of. So I am okay with that. And then suddenly that's, that's a dick move. If you, if you put me in that position and that's what I'm saying is like, how do you deal? How do you, when it comes to that, what do you do? What, what is your style? Cause my, my style is snapping. That, that's what I do. And that's why I'm not good in a management role is because I get frustrated very, very easily. I'm very emotional. And you know, I know you're supposed to check your emotions at the door and shit, but you know, when somebody, I feel like somebody's taking advantage of my kindness is kind of when I want to smack the shit out of somebody. So, and, uh, I, I take, how do you deal with it? I take a more subtle approach. Uh, I basically, in that case, you just lost the security blanket that I was providing. So you, 
you don't have those liberties anymore. You if you took, it, if now, you took advantage, now I'm on your ass for the smallest things until you get back in the good graces. And, uh, you know, it, it may come at the expense of you thinking I'm less of a cool guy, but I don't really care what you think. <laughs> Uh, in in general, <laughs> yeah, we were talking. Yeah, we were talking about something about this last week about how you know when you get elevated to a lead or de- or junior sous or sous chef or even an executive chef. A lot of people look, you know, they used to go like, what happened to you, man? You used to be cool. You used to be our friend and stuff like that. But when you get that, you're not allowed to really hang out with those guys or talk to those guys. Do you, do you hang out with your line cooks? There'll be, a, you know, an occasional beer after work uh, around the corner. Uh, but try to limit that because yeah. it definitely does create some issues. And this is something I was actually thinking about while I was sitting on the bus today about how take, for example, when you're I've worked a desk job in my life, probably the most soulless year I've had. Uh, however, I sat behind a desk and a computer for a year plus, but there's an obvious separation between you and your immediate supervisors at that point because they're sitting behind a closed door. So you don't ever get to interact with them throughout the day. And and there's no camaraderie as opposed to with us where it's easier for those lines to be blurred because we're behind the line together. We're going through the same hardships and difficult services together and carrying each other through it. So it's much more difficult to create that separation. Yeah, that's, that, that's the thing about it. I mean, last time I got fired from a restaurant job um i won't say where it's at or who who was involved but you know they they i never really got any reviews i never been warned about anything it was just obvious that me and my um executive did not get along we just did not i didn't agree with his style of 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 chefing. He didn't agree with my way of, of cooking. You know, we just didn't, and it wasn't hit my way is right. Your way is wrong. Nothing like that. It's just, they, they didn't blend they very did well. not light up. No, no, no. Which that's fine. And when they kind of pulled me into the office, I kind of knew it was coming. Nothing. I did anything wrong or, or, you know, we didn't have no explosions, but what happened is, is he brought, he was never there. So, Hey, how the fuck do you know what's going on in the kitchen? If you're never there. And I was tight as hell with my, my my cdc and my uh my sue he had my cdc in there as a witness to the firing and they're just there like looking at me with these eyes like you know i'm sorry i'm sorry homie Uh, you know i didn't i have nothing to do with this and it's like at the end of the day it's like you shouldn't feel bad you know you can separate being friends with somebody outside of the restaurant and getting shit done and being coworkers in the restaurant. So when you sit them down to review them, which I've had to do this before too. And I, I, I adamantly explained to them, like, you know, I love you, but this, this, and this, and this has to change. Yeah. And, and fortunately, um, you know, with the nature of the people that I am reviewing tomorrow, uh, they're, they're good. They're good guys. They're great on the line. So it really isn't uh, any tough love by any means. There's no heavy topics to have to bring up. It's just a couple of couple of screws to be tightened here and there. Nobody's getting fired. So no one's getting fired. No one's getting no one's getting up. demoted. Uh, not that I, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Unless there's something they haven't told me. Uh, <laughs> real quick. So uh, good luck on your reviews tomorrow. Real quick. I just wanted to ask. I wanted to talk about a couple of different things that you the ways you do get punished in the 
in the kitchen. Um, so, and it's not necessarily a thing. It's this, these aren't corporate jobs, you know, this, it's not structured the way a lot of other jobs you would have are structured. So, you know, Troy said one way that he kind of doesn't punish, but disciplinary dis- <laughs> takes disciplinary action against somebody is taking away their security blanket and not letting them get away with certain things that they were getting away with before. But what's what's some other ways, you know, of, of taking disciplinary action against against people in the kitchen? Uh, well, you know, one of my one of my favorites uh, that you'll see it at, at restaurants played front and back of the house is uh, the the threat of taking away shift drinks because there's nothing. <laughs> that will cut straight to a restaurant employee's soul, like removing their free booze at the end of the shift. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I haven't had to take that ground myself with anyone. And that's usually for higher ups to make that blanket decision for all of the staff. Well, that's all I'm saying. Usually that comes down to an entire staff. It does. And, and a lot of times have happened numerous times at places that I've worked and uh, me t- as well. Temporary yes. man, temporary <laughs> man, until you get your shit together. Yes. Myself as well. And everywhere I've been, it's been on isolated incidents of people having a little too many shift drinks and uh, a guest complaint or, you know, the rare case of an actual sexual harassment claim in a restaurant, something along those lines. But uh, another thing that I like is, is when it's just used to make the point of, hey, this needs to stop happening or we remove shifties. And then suddenly everyone gets their shit together. Real quick. <laughs> Very quickly. Real quick. Um, yeah, some of the ways that I've seen i've seen uh people you know get get the clear message that they're fucking up and things need to change real quick is uh um, taking them off a certain station and let them know that 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 you know you're, you're not living up to expectations or we've we've watched you we know that you can handle that station we know that you can handle the job and you've been fucking up lately and we can't seem to get through to you and figure out why this is happening why you're fucking up so much or why you can't handle your job maybe it's something outside of work so what do you do you just kick them kick them to a lower position put them in pantry put them on desserts put them on prep yep uh put them on fry you know and real quick, it, it's almost like a public shaming too. It definitely is. Uh, not only to, to people that, that know you, that come in uh, to the regulars, especially in an open <laughs> kitchen too, uh, <laughs> but then to the rest of the back of house staff, knowing that, well, you were the saute guy and now you're on fryer. Yeah, that's, that's cold. Exactly. Uh, and, and that, I think that's, that's worse than getting yelled at. I mean, obviously we're all, con- we're all conditioned, preconditioned to being yelled at and being able to take that. But the, the humiliation of, uh, you essentially being demoted to a lesser station is, is a tough one to come back. And then it's, and then once that happens, which nobody ever wants, no chef ever wants to do that to you because the reason why you got promoted and obviously you can handle that job. Um, they don't want to do that, but you know, when you get, when you get moved positions, it was for a purpose and a reason. And it takes forever to earn back that trust from your chef and get moved back up to a station. It's, it's very difficult. Uh, and, and the hierarchy of kitchens is, is definitely built on trust of putting someone there and knowing that they can hold their own. Uh, not only the, for the sake of a chef or a sous chef that is then going to have to pick up the slack, but for the, the other guys on the line that have to carry that extra weight as well. Yeah. Those are, just couple couple examples of uh 
ways you get disciplined in a kitchen by uh, some of your upper management um, without without having to be written up. I don't like the, the three write-ups and you're gone type shit because uh, most time I get written up at UC for being late, which I think is bullshit. I always call, you know, but I, I don't like the write-ups. When you argue with somebody online, I don't think you should have to, you know, get a warning, get, go on your record. You yeah, know. exactly. You know, if, if it comes to a reasonable Bullshit. resolution, uh, which I definitely had the other day with one of my peers, not even one of our line cooks, another one of our, our sous chefs, we had a disagreement. You and your we, sous chef? We, we came to a, a, an agreement, a resolution. It ended there. As far as I am aware, uh, we'll see. <laughs> you hope so. Later down the road. Uh, however, you know, it's. It, He's probably we, cursing your name to the sky right now. Uh, well, you know, it's my day off. I expect to <laughs> plenty of bad things to be said about me. Uh, Always. <laughs> but, you know, it's in the kitchen. We take care of things on our own. Uh, and I believe that's the way it should be. Exactly. You know? and, and for me, that's one thing uh, that, that I don't. I don't, I don't worry about people being late. If you show up 10, 15 minutes late because you caught a different bus or whatever, that's 15 minutes of your prep time. You just punished yourself. Exactly. I don't have to step in on that. Yeah. All right. If it gets to like 45 minutes and suddenly I'm like, no, I need to call this guy, especially on my brunch shifts, you know, when it's 7 a.m. and someone hasn't showed up yet. And it's like, oh, do I have to call this guy to it's, wake him it, up? It's every day. It's the problem is if you're late every day. Exactly. When it, when it becomes a, a habitual thing, then it's, it's a little different. But if you're, if you're a guy that I know is good for it and you show in 15, 20 minutes late one day, well, just think of the stuff you could have got done for service in that 15, 20 minutes. You're the one that just uh, penalized yourself. But also I will, I will congratulate your restaurant and or your chef and we'll applaud you guys for giving reviews because there's many places that I, have worked for a very long time and I've never gotten a review. I have to go to my chef and ask them, how do you think I'm going doing chef? How do you like, what, what do I need to work on chef? And they're like, uh, you're doing fine. You know? And it's like, wait, come on, man. Give me some criticism. Give me yeah. Some border, borderline incon inconvenienced by the question. Uh, Cause you know, they, <laughs> they always, the old saying of, you know, the best compliment in a kitchen is silence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you're not hearing back from anything, you're doing fine. you can only assume that you're holding your own. You hope so. Uh, but hope so. I, I am, I am happy with the fact that they are doing reviews. Uh, it's good to be able to give the feedback to the guys and, uh, the credit that they deserve and also just to use it as a, uh, an opportunity to make our restaurant a better place uh, and that's why I love working where I do we have great owners and they definitely cultivate a professional atmosphere there uh, and and this is another example of that perfect girl how long take mister four minutes four. it was just two minutes well uh, you it went over. Flying uh, a new one. <laughs> All right. Just made uh, myself dinner. We're going to wrap the show up with, um, Troy's going to finish it up, finish us up with, um, a list of some ways that you can, uh, um, keep yourself happy in the restaurant industry and, uh, uh, keep it from ruining your life. Uh, we're going off a, uh, uh, article that Chris Hill wrote. He is a chef turned writer. He also has a podcast called making the cut. Um, it's pretty, it's fairly new. I think they're on 14 episodes. Uh, we were trying to get him on to come on our podcast. I'm just, I'm not on top of my P's and Q's. I got a bunch of other shit going on, but I did speak with him uh, through email a couple of times. He said he'd love to come on the show. We just really didn't work out the logistics. So maybe I'll try to get that started back up, but he's a great, uh, chef and writer. And, uh, yeah, Troy's just going to go over those lists with you and we're going to comment on it. So yes. take it away, uh, Troy. 
Yes, yes. So this list is definitely something that's fascinating to me. Um, and as someone who's walked away from the restaurant industry a couple of times, only to have found myself Bringing coming right back. tractor beam. Uh, at, at a younger age, one of those reasons that I left was because I was going a little too hard uh, and enjoying myself and taking too much liberties generally after work. We all do. And so it's it's now, it's, it's nice to have uh, something like this to uh, sort of be a guideline to help keep yourself straight and be able to maintain the ridiculous uh, lifestyle and, and strains that come with working in this industry. It's a great list. So you had never read this list before. So not prior. You've, uh, you've opened my eyes to a lot of things today, Robbie. <laughs> and uh, Troy kind of asked me like, you know, how me and Johnny work, work on the show. You know, when I last, when I had Troy come on, which we've kind of steered away from the interview portion of the show. Um, I, I, I want to get kind of into the process of including our guests into the show and letting them know how we come up with topics and stuff like that. And basically what we do is we have like an email thread, a text thread, and like a Facebook group thread with a a bunch of people that I consult with on the show. And we kind of put interesting things in there or articles that we read or blog posts or uh, Reddit posts or what any issues that we're having that we're friends have talked about that they want to hear about. And we kind of um, just at the end of the week, we kind of get together and figure out what things have been bothering bothering us or what things we want to discuss. And then we kind of just take a couple hours and we we study the kind of things we're going to talk about on the show. And then it's all fresh for you guys during the show. So none of this stuff is rehearsed. None of it is. It's kind of, you know, we're we're living by the flying by the seat of our pants uh, type podcast. And so I brought Troy in and kind of told him about that. And, you know, he let it rip. It's it's essentially a slightly more educated version of uh, ranting over a couple of Fernets after dinner service. And that's exactly what we wanted this podcast to be. And so, so, yes, so that is is definitely what uh, what we've got going on here. So let's dive right into the list here. First and foremost, at number one is be intentional and set goals for yourself, which is uh, something that's probably difficult for a lot of uh, you know younger, newer cooks, maybe people that are a little more green, um, who are still figuring out why they got into this industry and what the end game is. This is just a good. This is just a good good. Uh Good tip for life. My girlfriend says this to me a lot. Uh, it it's be, be intentional. You know, set goals for yourself. Um, don't just be complacent, and uh, make sure there's a reason for every action that you have. And uh, and it'll take you a long long ways in whatever position in the kitchen you are. Whether you know it someday that you want a restaurant, or you're still trying to figure out even if you want to make the next step up to chef, or if you're just happy being the go to uh, grill guy. You know, it's it's nice to have those goals to kind of figure out so that you have a direction to work towards. Exactly. Uh, and touching up on those goals, number two is focus on yourself. Uh, really what it comes down to is controlling what you can. Uh, obviously this career is filled with an, an infinite amount of variables that change every single day. <laughs> uh, my joke is always that service finds a new and fresh way of being difficult and still new ways <laughs> that I haven't seen in over 10 years. It still finds something creative to throw at you. I've, uh, I've had many chefs come to me when I want to complain about somebody else or worry, or worry about 
something else going on. And he said to me, you know, focus on yourself. Make sure your shit is ship shape. Your area is clean. Your food is correct. You know, focus on yourself and make sure you're doing what the best you can be, you know, and that and everything else will fall into place. Exactly. And there's there's so much that can't happen. And the majority of it is not in your control. All those variables that I was mentioning. So why stress over the things that you can do nothing about? Just worry about you. Just keep your shit tight and take care of what you can. And you will be a much happier person in general and probably much more enjoyable to work with than the uh, incessant (laughs) complainer that is in every kitchen. Um, And on that note of the things around you that may not be the greatest from other people, appreciate the ones that are around you, the other jobs and people, uh, the people that are doing a great job, that expo that you always look forward to working with every week because they can handle or that dishwasher or that dishwasher. Uh, you know, the hostess that doesn't get her Cheerios peed in by the kitchen every morning at flat seat, the (laughs) restaurant, appreciate the people that are doing a good job. Thank you. you. And let them know. Yeah. Uh, Do not be afraid to be encouraging and appreciative. It will make you much happier and them much happier. And uh, on to the next one is a very interesting uh, matter of subject. You are the average of the five people with whom you spend the most time. Now, immediately, you're just picturing the faces of the people that work line with you five days a week. But this is this is not a lot of these crossover into real world scenarios. It's true. Into your your general life. Step back. Take a uh, good look at the people that you call and spend time with on your days off. I've been focusing on this a lot in my life in the past year, two years of my life. And I'm trying to really realize, you know, what kind of people I want to be around, who I want to be involved in my life and what kind of impact they have on my life. And, uh, this is, this is very true. You know, it's, it's like-minded people tend to hang around with each other and, uh, you may have a, 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 a swing from uh, top to bottom, but everybody pretty much is, you know, kind of on the same, same level, you know? So if you're hanging out with, even in the kitchen, you know, uh, some of the, the upper people kind of hang together and some of the shittier people will hang together. Um, they don't, they don't really mix all the time. Not everybody in the kitchen, your whole staff doesn't hang together. Yeah. You've, you've got to be a really cool guy to be the lousy cook and hang out with everyone else. Yeah. Gotta yeah. be, there's gotta be something really likable about you. <laughs> uh, but uh, I believe the, the point that he's trying to make in this, uh, number four on the list is also in your goals. If you want to be a great chef, exactly. find yourself spending time with great chefs, working for great chefs. You know, he uses the example, if you want to be a millionaire, make friends with millionaires, hang out with them, Boom. see what they did, take notes. Uh, That's a good so, point. <laughs> you know, that one is, is with goals in mind. Um, and uh, another one, number five on the list, this is something that I have always preached since I got into the industry is don't just settle for a paycheck. Yeah. Don't just settle for a paycheck. Uh, Cause it's not a very big one in the first place. <laughs> no, <laughs> so no we talk you, about this on the show. If, all the time, if you, know? you are in it for the money, that's the wrong reason. Yeah, and if you're yeah. grinding it out at a kitchen that you hate and you can't stand going to work, it's not worth it. And it's going to show in your work. Be proud of what you're doing. Be proud of the food that you're putting in the window. The name that is uh, on the restaurant door that you're walking into every day. That's that's kind of the big difference between a uh, you know line cook and a short order cook, you know. Um, 
it's like you're just going to throw some slop up. You take you take two. There's two different types of cooking in that kitchen. There's one that cook the same exact meal and give them the same exact ingredients at the same time. You put one in the window and they, they look very, very different. And it's some just, they're just, some are just there for the paycheck. Exactly. And I, I love seeing that, especially, uh, in when you look over to garbage station and you watch two people, their ingredients are all right there. All they have to do is assemble build the salad, assemble You're you're, you're just plating. <laughs> and you look at the radical differences between the two. I love working karma. It's a, it's a, it, you get to play. There's a, there's, there's a fun level of finesse that if, you take pride in what you're doing you know it's one of the things that that i say is is every play you put put in the window is the one you should look at and say damn that's what i want for dinner exactly <laughs> I, I like the saying you know you know the, imagine that you're plating it for your mother yeah yeah you know, uh one of my favorite things is is getting a getting an executive on a grand Marge station and they just haven't worked it in forever and they're like how how do i plate this salad how do i plate this dessert and it's like it's a salad. Make it look good. You know, uh, it's a dessert. Make it. Yeah. It's a dessert. You You're know? standing there looking at the guy like, man, you haven't shucked an oyster in 20 years. Yeah, have you? exactly, man. They're fries, dude. <laughs> but uh, that's our, our executive chef uh, owner at our restaurant. He is just he is a wizard of the one liners. And one of my favorites when he is in the window is just looking at someone put a plate up making eye contact with them and simply saying, are you proud of that? <laughs> you don't know. I mean, you don't know if that's a, the thing about it is, is like the way they say, you don't know if that's a diss or he's just generally asking you, does your chef say it to say like, what the fuck is that? Or is he saying it like just to be like, Hey, how do you feel about this plate? Most of the time it is, it is a challenge of like, are you, are you proud of that? Can you do better? Cause I think you can do better. Okay. But, uh, there are those times and a lot of chefs, you know, you look at the, the traditional, uh, yelling, screaming chefs where even when they compliment you, it's, it's very audible. Uh, <laughs> but in this case, you know, that's the difference of mentality of why you're doing it, uh, is well, I've, are I've you not- proud of that and saying, you're goddamn right. I yeah, am. Exactly. And that's the thing about it is and a chef loves that, loves the confidence and going like, you know, are you proud of that place? Yes, chef. I am proud of that. How do you feel about it, chef? And they're like, I think it looks excellent. And you're like, thank exactly. you, chef. You followed up with the confidence. Having that confidence, first of all, means that it's probably nice. Yeah. And secondly, when you have it, they love to hear it. You're probably not going to hear anything else about the plate after that. Nope. <laughs> So uh, the next item on this list, number six, kind of touches up on a topic we were talking about earlier. Go home after work and save your money. Bling, bling. I need I need to learn this for myself. This is one that I have uh, always struggled with. <laughs> it's still very difficult, even in trying to build up a, a bar at work or at home that I can go home to. It's there's still just something sad about going home and pouring yourself a whiskey and watching dinner TV. service is over. It's time to go out and party. But exactly. And that's the mentality that uh, people get caught up in. And that's why lists like this exist uh, to stop us from crossing over that threshold. Well, the, the sooner you learn it, the better off you're going to be. Definitely. Because it's, uh, it's, it's not an industry where you're going to make a lot of money over the course of your life. So you've got to learn how to be somewhat wise with it. Exactly. And so touching up on, uh, another previous item in this list. Number seven is keep in touch with non-industry related friends, I which cannot- is those five people that we're talking about. Do you have anyone in your circle of five people that does not work in a restaurant? 
<laughs> is yeah are any of your friends not in the industry that's you gotta i i know i i have i've never had a problem with this but i have uh, numerous friends you know that all their friends are literally people they work with and or other cooks yeah i as well you know being fairly new having lived in seattle for four years now uh, and obviously all i've done is restaurants here so most of the people that i've met and that i know are through restaurants and through those drinks after work. You got to get out more. So, you you know, you have that foundation early. I have found a a solid group of friends that are not in the industry. And I always enjoy the time I do spend with them. The only downfall is that it is a little harder to find that free time with the difference of schedules. And they also don't understand what they all, those other friends don't understand what you go through at work. You know, you hear people in other industries, um, corporate jobs or... I don't know, retail, whatever, bitching about their jobs. And you just would look at them and laugh and go, what the fuck? Like you get to walk out of fucking work and go straight home, like, and relax. It's like, we get off hella late. We were, we didn't, we don't, we never get to cook at home. Never get to spend any time with our girlfriends. It's like, I don't want to hear you complain about that shit, about your stupid Kevin that works in the cubicle next to you. And when you walk out at midnight, one, two in the morning and you're all jacked up on, caffeine and cigarettes and uh it's it's hard to just shut down after that you you know we we have a hard time going home and and being done with it uh whereas when we look at these other people uh in in other fields and saying you walked out the doors you're done you washed your hands of the situation Uh, (laughs) yeah exactly you don't think about it we'll touch on that more and and maybe that's something that they know better than us and that's why we need friends in those other industries yeah uh because they know how to disconnect which is number eight on the list and just in one word in itself really says it all leave your work at work yes it's it's hard for it's hard for chefs to do that it 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 is difficult uh you know any chef uh any proud chef is constantly thinking about it it's on his mind well that's i mean but that you you embody that you live that life you know that's that's why there's that hashtag out there that's why that saying it's chef life you know it's cook life it's like you it's ingrained into your DNA. That's all you think about is food. Every it's conceptual. You walk around, you get inspiration from your friends, from nature. I mean, you're thinking about work and food and the restaurant industry and what you can do better tomorrow. It's it's hard to disconnect sometimes, but it is very important. It it is, and it's it's difficult, you know, being in a profession that has some sort of artistic creativity to it. You're constantly striving to come up with new things and be more creative. So you're looking for that everywhere else in your outside life. So that is ingrained in you and that is something that you're always thinking about. Uh, but you there's there is a line to be drawn of thinking about work and thinking about food and being overwhelmed by work when you're not there. Sometimes you can't help it, man. I mean, when you're at home and you're having a nightmare about ticket machines going off or, you know, burning yourself or something like that, it's kind of hard. It is. It is difficult. Um, And that's why... I, I like, you know, at the, at the end of every service, uh, my one ritual that I do is, is I turn to the oven that I'm working on and I turn the alarm off. Like it's the end of game buzzer. <laughs> We're done. It's over. We've washed our hands of the situation. The final. That's it. It's, uh, at the end of regulation society, one kitchen, nothing. There you go. 
Now, how many we have in this list? That is number eight. Moving on to number nine, taking care of yourself. This is one of the very few careers that you can take that is both physically and mentally draining. Yeah, I know people that have lifelong injuries from working in kitchens. You yeah. Know, they got knee problems. They got back problems. They have burns. They have scars, cuts. I mean, and not to mention the, ment- the mental, the, the damage to your to your psyche. Exactly. And the, the cold shoulder it has created, the possible numerous addictions that you have taken away. Uh, who knows? But you know what? It's uh, It is a physical job. You're on your feet for a long time, so you need to physically take care of yourself. Yeah. And it's not, it's not just, you know, working out. It's, it's, you know, do something for your mind, your body, your spirit, you know, figure out other ways to, because you, a lot of people in kitchens, especially when you're younger, Troy was speaking about earlier, you go hard, you know, it's a lifestyle and uh, you go hard on the line in the kitchen and then you go hard outside and it's just repetitive. You know, you're just grinding away and you never really take any time to actually take some of you time and take care of yourself. It's very, very important. You work hard, you play hard, but here's the story, kids. It catches up to you. <laughs> yeah. It will get there. You know what? Don't be afraid to take a vacation. Take some time off. That's right. Don't ask for it in July. It's not going to be approved. (laughs) But take some time off. Do something for yourself. Get a hobby. Yeah, most definitely. (laughs) And last but not least, Troy. Do not lose sight of what's most important in life. Exactly. Whether it is that hobby that you can't get enough of, if it's pursuing other ventures, if it's a lady you got at home, if it's family, Take care of what you care about. At the end of the day, it's a job. It is a job. It's it's one that we love and we love to hate a lot of the times. But at the end, it is a job that allows you to stain whatever else it is that you are about. It's true. Um, there's plenty of other jobs out there. As much as, uh, you know, we love being in a kitchen and stuff like that, you know, the restaurant and we think the restaurant's going to depend on it. You know, it's going to burn down without us there. It's it's going to crumble. We are replaceable. Okay. There's, you know, we you need to figure out what's most important in your life and make sure you don't, you know, you don't lose sight of that. Don't, you know? don't waste your good years. Don't lose relationships over, uh, over a job. You can yeah. always find another one. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Chris Hill. You can go to Chris Hill online.com and check out that um, list a little bit more detailed uh, kind of than we went over. Um, that was fun. Yeah, that was a good one. It was a good list. He, uh, he had quite the write up on it. So feel free to read it. There's some uh, very interesting stuff on there. We just touched on the brief bullet points. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Uh, that's going to bring us to the end of episode 81. It's going to take us into the ingredient of the week. And Troy, you have chosen the ingredient of the week here in this hot summer with uh, so great hot. produce going on. We're doing broccolini tonight. Broccolini. Sir, since you are the guest, I will allow you to go first. Yes. So one of my favorite ways to prepare broccolini, it's very simple. You just take the rubber bands off. That's really all you have to do to it. Not much trimming or cleaning to be done. You don't cut the bottoms off. So I'll see if they're a little gnarly. Otherwise, you know, it's a fibrous vegetable. You got to eat those roots. Yeah. Stems. But uh, very simply, I like to throw it on a very hot grill. Charcoal, if you've got it, of course. But uh, simply toss them in some olive oil. A good amount of salt. Nice fibrous vegetables like that need a lot of salt. I like to do some sugar in there and let it caramelize a little bit. Nice. Uh, And some red pepper flake because if there's no spice, I'm not interested. Uh, And then just throw it over the hottest part of the grill. Give it a nice char on both sides. Some good grill marks on there. And uh, leave the lid on once it's on. 
give it a flip after a couple of minutes, lid back on, pull it off, let it rest. And as soon as it's out, toss it with a little bit of lemon juice. And that is all it takes. You're pretty, you're, yours is pretty close to mine. <laughs> I mean, almost exactly like mine, but not, not quite like mine. Okay. What you're going to do with that broccoli is you're going to go ahead, you're going to take those rubber bands off. You're going to cut the bottoms off of it. Okay. You want to keep part of the, the roots, uh, but I like the florets a lot, you know, up top. Um, and basically what you're going to do is you're going to cut those in half right down the middle. Uh, you're going to get a bunch of water in a pot, uh, pot going, tons and tons of salt in there. Uh, you're going to blanch those suckers for about two minutes, uh, pull them out, throw them in an ice bath. You're going to take a cast iron pan. You are going to hit that cast iron pan super, super duper hot. You're going to slice up an onion pretty thin, uh, put some olive oil in that pan, let it get hot, toss your onions in there, get some color on those onions. Then you're going to pull out that uh, broccoli that's been in an ice bath. You're going to toss that in there. Let that get some uh, color in it. You're going to hit it with salt, pepper, chili flake. You're going to toss it once. You're going to flip it over. You're going to hit it with lots and lots of chili flake. Let that get some color on it. You're going to hit it with some lemon juice, okay? Then you're going to pull it off. It's going to get a nice nice sear on it. You're going to, uh, no, you're not going to pull it off. You're going to leave it on there. You're going to lower the temperature down. You're going to hit it with a couple splashes of cream, okay? Hit it with some cream. Let that reduce down. You're going to take it off the heat. You're going to pull in some butter, fold in the butter, toss it a couple times. You're going to pull it off. You're going to set it on a plate and you are going to finish it with, uh, you're going to zest, uh, not, yeah, zest some lemon over top of it. Hit it with some Parmesan cheese. Sounds delicious. And since you are eating your vegetables, everyone feel free to accompany that with a nice steak. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I'd like to thank Troy for co-hosting me. I'd like to thank, once again, thank, uh, Johnny give Johnny a congratulations on having his baby. Uh, I want to thank studio two, one, two, uh, for allowing us to not record there. Uh, but yeah, I do want to thank them because uh, the studio is always open to me. And I want to thank uh, Keith and the Soundcasting Network for continuing to host my uh, uh, podcast. And uh, Troy, why don't you shut down the show? All right. Well, everyone, it has been my pleasure guest starring here for the second time. And I will close out with Grill. How long steak, mister? Uh, burned it. Grill. How long steak, mister? Five minutes out. Eat a dick, bitch.